Hey, I'm Jesse. We're working our way through Nehemiah chapter 9, in which the Israelites are just praising God because everything's been rebuilt. The temple hasn't been rebuilt quite to the glory that it had before, but it's still been rebuilt. A community's been reestablished. Nehemiah's team has just finished rebuilding the wall, and now they're praising God. They praise God for who he is as the creator of the stars and the heavens. They thank God for his covenant with Abraham. They praise God for his making a name for himself through their ancestors who came through the Exodus. And now we've arrived at Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 12. You led them, these Israelites speak about God regarding their ancestors. You led them with a pillar of cloud by day, with a pillar of fire by night, to illuminate the way they should go. You came down on Mount Sinai and you spoke to them from heaven. You gave them impartial ordinances, reliable instructions, and good statutes and commands. You revealed your holy Sabbath to them and gave them commands, statutes, and instructions through your servant Moses. You provided bread from heaven for their hunger. You brought them water from the rock for their thirst. You told them to go in and possess the land you had sworn to give them. It's so incredible to give God credit at this point in Israel's history, because as you're gonna see in the very next phrase, beginning in verse 16, the original recipients of all this didn't get it quite right. Okay, like the very next verse, I'll give you a peek at tomorrow's text, but our ancestors acted arrogantly, they became stiff-necked and did not listen to your commands. So like what, what God is praised for in verses 12 through 15, the original recipients of those blessings did not fully praise God for them. They did not adhere to them. It even gives the example of the bread from heaven. They began to try to collect it and hoard it. And they even got tired of it. And they began to complain about it. The water from the rock. Guess what? Moses botched that. That's actually why Moses didn't get to cross the Jordan. Because he worded it in such a way that as he struck the rock, that he got credit for giving them water from the rock. Right? You told them to go in and possess the land you had sworn to give them. You revealed your holy Sabbath. You gave them commands and instructions through, their, through your servant Moses. It's, it's awesome to me that this generation of Israelites at this point gets it right when the previous generations didn't quite understand it. They didn't really get it right. So let's go back through verses 12 through 15 because there's some stuff here that I believe is going to affect the way that you carry out your day-to-day. So they're led by God with a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. Wherever they go, they're led by God. And they come down to, uh, God came down on Mount Sinai and spoke to them from heaven. What's so cool about this is that they're thanking God for doing that when the original Exodus Israelites, meanwhile, while Moses was getting the Ten Commandments, okay, the, the, the text says that God wrote by his own finger in the stone, talking, it's God talking to humanity. Wow. Like, Literally, that's holy. How do, you, how do you get your head around that? That's God talking to these people. And then meanwhile, they're partying up and they're reveling and they're crafting a golden calf and giving the stupid idol all the credit for what God just did. So this is not revisionist history. This is finally getting it right. Because they recognize ways in which their forefathers botched all of this. They remember how God came down on Mount Sinai and spoke to them from heaven. It's huge. Absolutely huge. Remember the story? We just recapped this recently about Moses telling God, now show me your glory. And he gets just this glimpse of God. That's incredible to behold. This is, this is a moment 
of reckoning for the Israelites, where they, they sing this hymn and they finally praise God for how incredibly good he has been to them despite their unfaithfulness. The unfaithfulness is gonna come next. Because remember, this is all on the heels of six hours of sin confessing, six hours of worshiping. This is all mingled in with that. So they're praising God for his goodness toward them. God came down on Mount Sinai and gave them impartial ordinances and reliable instructions. This is so incredible that God would give them impartial ordinances. This is revelational epistemology. You don't have to guess at what morality is, my skeptical friend. You don't have to assume or make something up to determine what's right and what's wrong. We have been given a compass. God wrote a book. God gave us impartial ordinances. God gave us instructions. They continue. You, you, these are good statutes. These are good commands. You revealed your holy Sabbath to them. I'm gonna talk about that in a second. To, and, and gave them commands, statutes, and instructions. You don't have to look for the logos. You don't have to seek out that rubric by which you may know right from wrong because God has revealed himself. God wrote a book. So if you're struggling to know what's right and what's wrong, abide within the comfort that comes from revelational epistemology. This is what Cornelius Van Til refers to as revelational epistemology. Epistemology is the study of belief. How do we believe things? How do we really know things? How do we know what's right and what's wrong? We've stumbled upon math and we know that's true. We know that's accurate. Deep within a mirror of our bones, we know there's this pervasive moral law. Cultures all over the globe, even in deep isolation, have laws against murder and penalties for committing murder. Why is that? Where did this right and wrong come from? Well, it came from God. And you don't have to attribute it to some sort of made up philosophy. You don't have to make up your own rubric, okay? Atheists have been trying that for millennia. Aristotle was looking for it. He ultimately left off with the Logos. Richard Dawkins tried and failed, ended up accidentally quoting Jesus when he tried to come up with some sort of moral rubric. Ayn Rand invented objectivism and ultimately failed. She came upon some pretty good financial ideas, but she ultimately failed. It's not going to work if you make up your own statutes and commands and moral law. Rather, God did this. It goes all the way back to Mount Sinai and beyond, that God would step down and talk to mankind, that he would reveal himself and by that revelation, we would know how to believe and we would know what to believe. Hence, revelational epistemology. We'll never be certain of anything that we make up on our own. If I make up a rule, if I make up a rule outlawing rollerblades, oh, well, based on what standard? Well, because I've said so. Well, I'm not gonna be 100% sure about that. Are you totally positive that it's morally wrong to go rollerblading, Jesse? I mean, are you absolutely certain that it's morally wrong? Honestly, no, I wouldn't be able to, I would never be 100% certain. Granted, there's a pair of rollerblades like right over there that my kid uses. So I'm just giving a, an obscure example. The point is, if we make up our own statutes, our own commands, our own instructions, they come from us. And if they come from the government, well, they're just as sinful as we are. So like, how do you know? How, how can you be absolutely sure of anything? If we come to discussions about origins, where we came from, what happens when we die, we can make up our own stuff, but how are we ever gonna be absolutely certain that it's true? Here's the thing. 
there is one who is certain, and it's God. And he's the one who, like the Israelites praise him for, on Mount Sinai, stepped down to where we are and gave us good instructions and commands and statutes, revelational epistemology. So that's the standard. This is it, the word of God. You don't have to guess, you can just read. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, believe and be changed. God is the one who wrote this law, beginning from Mount Sinai, talking through Moses, and then extrapolating it on from there to make the people of Israel distinctive. And now in the new covenant, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. This is incredible news. We can trace our ancestry back to this moment. This is where God stepped down and told us, this is what's right and this is what's wrong. He gave us commands and guess what they align with perfectly? the exact laws that exist in cultures today. This is why we used to have 10 commandment monuments outside our courthouses. Not because we're a theocracy, but because this is where we first learned how we knew murder was wrong and theft was wrong. This is how we know, because on Mount Sinai, God spoke from heaven. What they're praising God for is what we would refer to today as revelational epistemology. You don't have to guess at your worldview. You don't have to make your own kind of hodgepodge and pastiche of different trends. And you don't have to change it with the shifting tides of morality and pop culture. It's written in stone by the finger of God who is unchanging. He came down on Mount Sinai and gave us good statutes, good commands, good instructions. Thank you, God. There are no updates planned you don't have to worry about morality shifting on you. You know that whatever culture does, God spoke. God wrote a book.